Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Today's cool fact of the day is that your preference for coffee or tea may boil down, see what I did there, <laughs> to a matter of taste genetics. That's because people with a version of a gene that increases your sensitivity to the bitter flavor of caffeine tend to be coffee, coffee drinkers, uh, which is kind of weird because you'd think if you're more sensitive to bitter flavors, you wouldn't like it. It turns out tea drinkers tend to be less sensitive to the bitter taste of caffeine, but they have versions of genes that increase sensitivity to the bitterness of other chemicals. So we used to believe, and it's kind of funny because we build all sorts of systems and structures and beliefs on things that we used to believe that we we're totally wrong about. And here we used to believe that people avoid eating bitter foods because bitterness is an indicator of poison. Uh, that's just not true. In the new study, they looked at the DNA variants of genes involved in that bitter taste. They looked at caffeine, quinine, which is the taste of tonic water, and something called PROP, which is a synthetic chemical that isn't found in food or drink that also tastes bitter. And researchers in three different countries, Australia, US, England, so this is kind of a big study, looked at DNA from 400,000 participants and added up each person's variance in the taste and created a genetic score. And they compared those to what people like to drink. If you had the highest genetic score for caffeine's bitterness, you were 20% more likely to be a heavy coffee drinker, and you probably drank four more cups a day. And that's remarkable because we were totally wrong on our assumptions about bitterness. What's interesting too is that bitters, which have long been used, like Swedish bitters, my wife would talk about as a child in Sweden, have been used for various health things. And you go to Chinese or Ayurvedic medicine and bitter is an important flavor. It turns out some of those bitter things talk to your gut bacteria and are metabolized by your gut bacteria. Even some of the polyphenols have these strong flavors. So it's really interesting that we're finding more and more about how our genes, how our mitochondria, and how our taste receptors are all linked in this incredibly intricate dance that frankly, we didn't know anything about 20 years ago. So we just made up stories and believed them and then did stuff based on that. If you like that kind of thinking, you owe it to yourself to check out my new book, Game Changers, and I'd be grateful if you real quickly went over to your favorite online bookseller and searched for Dave Asprey Game Changers and picked up a copy of the book. It officially comes out on December 5th of 2019, and you can pre-order it right now. The reason you want to order this book is that it would take you one quarter of an entire year to listen to about 500 episodes of Bulletproof Radio if you listened for eight hours a day, five days a week, if your full-time job was listening. I'm assuming you don't have time to do that. And if you are one of the people who has listened to all 500 episodes, I wanna give you a hug. But if you're not one of those and you wanted the distilled knowledge of all of that time, I boiled it down with help of a statistician and thousands of hours of additional research into one book you can read in four hours. So your ROI is 500 hours of your time or four hours. By the book, Game Changers, it's going to tell you what noteworthy people do to make themselves noteworthy in order. You're not going to copy what one person did to be successful. You're going to learn what most people agree on and learn rules based on that. There's 46 laws for high performers, and it actually works. This is what I studied to help me be who I am today. Game Changers book. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, 
more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds, and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. Now, speaking of noteworthy people, people who do unusual things that are worth paying attention to, I have a special guest for you today. His name is Garrett G. He's actually a second cousin to Ali G. Okay, not really. Uh, but <laughs> Garrett G is known as, uh, or I say he's the founder of the Bucket List family. And three years ago, he and his wife, Jessica, sold nearly all their belongings and set off to travel the world with their two small children. And they planned this for a few months or until they ran out of their $45,000 in garage sale money. And instead, they turned into a family of traveling journalists visiting 70 countries and getting 1.5 million Instagram followers and 600,000 YouTube followers. But what Garrett wasn't able to tell you until very recently was that that 45K in garage sale money was what he could have paid as a tip. Because before he did this, in secret, he sold his tech company to Snap for a very large amount of money. So he's traveling around the world on a budget with a family, teaching people how to do it when he had no actual financial need to do that. He could have traveled around in his own jet, as far as I can ascertain from what it's online. Garrett, welcome to Bulletproof Radio. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Thank you for the very kind welcoming. It's, it's crazy to be here and talking to you right now. I've listened to the show for a very long time, as have uh, my family members. And so oh, it's well. going to be a really crazy experience for them to, to see me and hear me on here. I actually didn't know that you were a longtime listener, so I, I'm I'm truly honored and, and thank you for that, especially for sharing it you know, with your family. Uh, I, I feel like I should probably admit two things to you. One, um, I uh, will probably be the least qualified person that you've ever had on the show. At least I feel that way. So it's a great honor to be on the show. And as the least qualified or feeling that way, I um, I have a big brother who turned me on to the podcast. And he's someone who I really admire, really look up to. And I just think he's the smartest person in the world. And so when I got the invite to be on your podcast, the first thing I did is I called him and I asked him to come on the show as me. He and I look very similar. <laughs> he knows my story inside and out. And I told him, I was like, I don't know if I can do it. I think you should go on for me. If he would have accepted <laughs> the offer, I was down for it. I was going to have him take, come on as me, but he turned me down. So, that would have been the right worst up. prank ever. I'd be like, oh, I can't believe that. <laughs> no, I don't think you would have noticed other than I would have sounded a lot smarter than I really am. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, 
you're kind of playing it cool. Um, and one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is is that you have displayed a, an amazing level of of humility. Uh, and I, I know a good number of people who've who've made shocking amounts of money uh, in their lives. Uh, and I, I know because even when I first started Bulletproof, um, they would call me and be like, I just, like, you're one of these guys who knows about how to hack the human body and how to raise IQ. And I have all the money in the world. So would you be willing to come and spend a day with me? And I'll write you a check. I'm like, okay. Like, I'd love to do that. I can help to fund the the baby Bulletproof that way. Um, and a great number of these people are actually very motivated to help the world. So they're doing charitable endeavors. They're funding prizes or, you know, they're, they're feeding orphans and actually doing valuable good work. Um, but they, they sort of, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a path that a lot of people go down. You did a very radically different thing where you're like tightened up the purse frame, purse if anything. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I'm just going to sell everything, have a garage sale. We're just going to go like, what, what the hell was going through your mind? Like you just had the biggest win. You're a young guy. <laughs> Right. Why did you buy I, a Lamborghini? <laughs> um, I, I think a lot of it came from fear, and at least in my mind, in a good way, a good type of fear, if, if that's even possible. Um, but I, I have just seen in my life money change a lot of people. It can obviously do a lot of good, but man, too many stories of people coming upon money and it changing them for the worse. And I didn't want that to happen to me or my family or my marriage, uh, especially my relationship with my family and friends. And so my wife and I, we, we talked about it very seriously and we agreed together, let's at least just wait. We don't know the answers. We don't know what's right and wrong. And until we feel more confidence in what might be right and wrong, let's just put a pause and put a basically hold on how we react to this money, act as if it doesn't exist. And uh, especially for like the entrepreneur inside me, I decided, you know what? I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs kind of become a bit more comfortable or lazy, and those are just death words to me. And uh, so that was the plan. Let's act as if it doesn't exist. We won't touch it except for charitable and uh, service opportunities, and we'll just start over, start from zero. That means a new venture for me, you know, start building up a new bank account, um, build up a new savings, and just stay young and keep hustling. You started, uh, uh, the company you started called Scan mm-hmm. uh, was turned down on Shark Tank, but it ended up becoming <laughs> a technology that Snapchat used for Snap code. So it, it was mm-hmm. a, a meaningful thing. You started this as a freshman at BYU. Correct. And so, I mean, by the time you were basically done with, with BYU, pretty much uh, looks like based on the timing here, it, it was well on its way. You already raised $10 million and you, you ended up selling it when you were still probably under 30, I'm guessing. Right, right. So it, it was an interesting timeline because I stayed in school the entire time while building the company, even though the, we started at my freshman year. The next year, we raised $1.7 million from Google Ventures and a few others. The year after that, we raised $7 million. And then it was the year after that, our third year, when I sold it to Snapchat for, or Snapchat for the $54 million. But that entire time, I stayed in school, not necessarily to like be in school, but during all of that, I was playing on the soccer team, which was a passion for me during that time. And uh, yeah, so there's this weird, almost like double life balance of going to soccer practice and then rushing to the office and running a startup and then going back to soccer. And, you know, and that was my life for, for three years. So when you had your big exit, did you have a giant party to celebrate with all your friends? Like, did everyone know or were you just no. like super? <laughs> See, that was the messed up thing is everybody knew I was working hard on my iPhone app. Right. 
But when the exit happened, it was 100% confidential at the time, like legally confidential that I couldn't tell anyone except for my wife. My own parents didn't know. My siblings (laughs) didn't know. My teammates on the soccer team, like nobody knew. And legally, I couldn't tell them. And uh, I, I adhered to that rule and I didn't tell anyone. And so people, I, I remember going to the first soccer practice after that happened. And I'm up in the training room getting my ankle taped. And I'm just looking around like nobody even knows. And I can't tell anyone. And I'm just going to be regular old Garrett G to everyone. So at first, like, you know, as an entrepreneur, some people kind of like have that dream of, the, the big announcement or the, the big acquisition and the, the announcement on the Wall Street Journal and Forbes and TechCrunch, your name up in lights. Like I drank a little bit of that Kool-Aid in the early days and like imagine that day someday coming for me. But the cool thing was when it happened and it was all completely confidential, I actually ended up liking the privacy that nobody treated me different. I was still just regular old me and I like that. I have one other example of that that I know of. Uh, my friend Andrew, and I think he probably doesn't want me to use his last name, but he sold his internet marketing company for $100 million or something and went back to, uh, I think it was film school and lived in the dorms, ate ramen, never told <laughs> anyone anything about it. And, and at the end for graduation, he's like, hey guys, like, why don't we go to Vegas? And like, we can't afford it. He goes, no, um, I'm chartering a jet. And like, what? <laughs> like, oh my God. Uh, so, but, but for him, it was a similar story where like, he just wanted to be a normal guy instead of everyone looking at him kind of weird and like right. wondering if they wanted something and all. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you just said, all right, I'm, I'm not allowed to tell anyone. Did that mess with your head? I mean, did you have these things where like, like I really, I, I want to tell everybody I, I can't, I mean, did, did that, did that stress you out? Um, not so much. Like, like I said, uh, Luckily, I think it was such a crazy busy time for me that I almost didn't have time to worry about it or stress too much. Uh, but at the same time, I, I just learned that it was kind of a nice thing that everyone was acting normal about it and, and uh, just treating me the same. But that all came to a crashing halt when it all came spilling out. And, and so I don't know if you remember this. There was a movie that came out called The Interview with James Franco, and they were making fun of North Korea, more or less. And North Korean hackers got offended, hacked Sony Studios emails. The CEO of Sony sat on the board of Snapchat. And so the acquisition of my company by Snapchat had to be approved or at least go through this uh, CEO of Sony. So the, when the emails of Sony got hacked, all of my information about the acquisition, like not, not just my name and the amount of the acquisition, like my bank account, my routing number, like all of that information oh. were in these emails. And so I remember the evening, it was actually my wife's birthday and I uh, went to work like any day and I'm sitting at my desk and all of a sudden my uh, colleague sitting next to me is like, uh, Garrett, you're going to want to see this. I roll over and I think it was a business insider because all the journalists were just digging into these emails, seeing what goodness they could find. And there's a Business Insider article, and it just said, like, Snapchat confidentially acquires Utah startup by Garrett G. Scan for $54 million. And then it just had screenshots of the emails, negotiations, bank account information, and it was all right there. I mean, yeah. And that's when my life changed very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and by this time, though, had you started the Bucket List family? Were you no. already doing that? No. Okay. No. If you would have asked me at that time, like, what do the next five years look like for you? I would have said, well, I'm going to stay here at Snapchat, work work as long as it feels like the right thing for me. 
And I guess that'll probably be like three to five years that I'll be here at Snapchat. Wow. The day after that happened, that my answer changed very quickly just because my life changed quite a, like, upside down. Uh, so there you go. Thanks, uh, North Korean hackers. <laughs> I guess so, actually. <laughs> it probably put, it pushed you in a very unique direction. Yeah. All right. So now all of a sudden you've sort of been outed as a wealthy individual rather than you know just you know, one of the team sort yeah. of perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said, all right, to heck with this. I'm going to start the Bucket List family. And you, well, I guess you already started your family, but you decided that you were going to, you were going to go out and travel the world. Right. Um, what, what's, what drove that specific decision? I mean, it's so random <laughs> to be perfectly honest. I mean, travel the world isn't, but that way. Yeah. It was a really difficult decision, the actual decision to leave Snapchat. Um, and I remember I had been speaking with my wife. And said, you know, I think I want to leave Snapchat. And she's like, well, if you leave, what are you going to do? And when I had left school, I left school right before my senior season of soccer. And there was this weird situation, um, if you don't mind me sharing this story. I don't, I don't think I've ever shared this before, actually. So I'm, I'm going into my senior season of, of soccer at BYU. And that is the time when the acquisition happened. That's when Evan at Snapchat initially contacted me, made an offer for my company. And I said, yes, I want to join. I'm about to start my senior season of soccer. Can I finish soccer and then come join the company? And initially he had agreed to that. He said, okay, that's cool. Let's do that. And then during negotiations, it got to the point where he said, look, I want you to come join my team immediately. I don't want you to wait till soccer. And if you'd be willing to quit soccer, I will raise that price of the the acquisition another $10 million. Oh. <laughs> and I uh, truthfully, what happened, I was on the phone with him and just my gut reaction, as foolish as it might sound, just the truth is my gut reaction is I said, thank you for the offer, but no, I'm going to stay and I'm going to play soccer. So let's keep the price of the acquisition down. And I think if I were to try to explain myself in that craziness is uh, it, it just is what felt right inside me, felt right inside my heart. And I think kind of logically, I was trying to explain to myself that I have the rest of my life to make money and to work, but I only have one senior season of my soccer career left and then I'm done forever. And all the money in the world can't buy that back. So you know what? I'm going to stay and play soccer. That's, that's what my mind was going through. Um, I hung up with him. And <laughs> I think it was like two minutes later that I was on the phone with my co-founder. And I realized, you know what? That decision doesn't just affect me. Yeah. It affects my partners and my investors and everyone else. And I just felt so foolish. So immediately, I, uh, I called back Evan and I said, I think I half lied to him and I said, you know what? I'm too excited to join the company. Let's bring the price back of another 10 million and a uh, done deal. And that was the final call for the uh, negotiations and the deal was final. And so going back, I guess the roundabout of that story is the, uh, when, when I joined the company Snapchat, I missed my senior season of soccer. At least I told the coach I was going to, but with all the North Korea madness and the hacking and me leaving Snapchat just three months later, I coincidentally left Snapchat one day before my senior season of soccer was starting, and the coach was gracious enough to uh, to let me back on the team to finish my season. Wow! So, so it all worked out. Madness. 
Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. And and for people listening, just can you imagine? Like this is this actually happened. This sort of stuff isn't that rare. I've been involved in M and A, and and there's times when you know for whatever reason deals can change radically like that. Right. I I love it that you just shared that. It's that's awesome because that's the inside story that no one ever hears. <laughs> Well, and that's how the uh, the Buckless family initially, uh, eventually came about because I remember telling my wife, okay, I'm going to leave Snapchat. And she says, what's next? And I said, well, coincidentally, I have one day to get back to Utah and rejoin the soccer team. And in her mind, that's where we went to school together. That was kind of a step backwards in life. And I understood that. So I kind of made the deal with her, like, let me go back and play soccer and you can choose what we do next in life. And we weren't sure, like, where we wanted to settle down. We weren't, it didn't feel right to like build a house and in a way like grow up. And so she came up with the idea, let's travel for a few months, see the world, learn more about ourselves and the world around us. And then we'll pick a place to call home. And uh, it was in that planning of what was initially going to be three to four months of travel uh, that just exploded out of control and eventually became the bucket list family. You guys already knew each other. You met on your missions in Russia Correct. And was it Vlada? Vladivostok. Vladivostok. I was like, Vlada uh-huh. something. <laughs> yeah. uh, One of those. I haven't been to <laughs> Russia. Um, and uh, so so you guys already knew each other and you'd already traveled the world pretty, uh, at least to some, some parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she saw the travel bug, you kind of did. And you said, all right, let's do this. Um, what was it like when you said, all right, I'm going to not just do this, but I'm going to share this and video and photos and you know, build an Instagram channel and kind of report on your own, your own lifestyle. Cause it changes your mindset a lot. Like, like we, we, we talk about how anytime you're doing selfies, you're doing social media, it sort of takes you out of the, the present right. moment mm-hmm. and puts you somewhere else, but you're doing it not just for you, but for your kids, you know, your, your whole family. How did that change the experience for you to, to sort of be behind the lens? I mean, in that sense, I I really like it because I'm not very good at relaxing or just doing nothing. And so say if a family just goes to the pool, I'm not good at just like sitting, sunbathing, reading. Uh, I've always got to be doing something hands-on, active, a a little bit of more like added purpose to my day. And uh for us, at least, the social media kind of does that, where we're like on a mission to accomplish something, to capture something. And so we try to always keep the mindset less of like, let's get an epic photo or let's take a really cool selfie. And more so like, let's do something meaningful with our day and capture it in a memorable way. And so I think it's the mindset going into it that's very important. But if we were, when we, when, uh, when we initially left on our travels, my wife and I had very different mindsets. If you were to ask us, like, what are you doing with these travels around the world? For her, it kind of was just a three-month, four-month family vacation to different countries. Um, but again, for me, because I'm bad at just vacationing or doing things just because, I think it was the entrepreneur inside me that wanted to make something more of it. And so just kind of on the side, with half of my wife's support, is when I started the YouTube channel and the Instagram, The Bucketless Family. How has it affected your kids to be, quote, stars that way? Oh, man, uh, we've been very careful and cautious and tried to be, be very aware of how it's affecting them. I remember the first time my daughter even said the words, the bucketless family. And I was like, whoa, who told you that? Like, what is that? Do you know what the bucketless family is? Because, uh, you know, until then, we were just mom, dad, the G family, regular family. 
And the first time she brought it up is because uh, even when you watch our own videos, we were very slow to ever like call ourselves the bucket list family. It was just kind of like, that was the title. That was the brand behind us, but we were just a regular old family. Um, but yeah, so as far as I would hope, uh, it's brought our children a lot of unique opportunities, but as far as how it's affected them personally, um, the social media, not so much. They just started school for their first time. So it's, they're just, um, it's new to them to be around other kids and maybe that brings something into it. They're pretty young still. How old are your kids? Uh, my daughter just turned six. My son just turned four. And then we have a baby who's 10 months. Yeah. Got it. I, I remember when uh, my son was around uh, six or seven, um, someone had said something because of the, the books, you know, the bulletproof stuff. And, and he said, daddy, are, are you famous? And I'm like, no, there's real famous out there. <laughs> I, I'm not real famous, uh, but a few more people know about me than average, but you know, tiny. And he's like, all right, that's cool. Uh, but we were just in Hawaii. And by the way, um, you've just moved to Hawaii. Um, so we were there last week and, you know, we're at dinner and a couple of people are like, are you Dave? I'm like, yeah, sure. So, you know, selfie and pouring uh, and acting on sushi and whatever. But so I think the kids kind of know, people know, but, but right, so right. far they're not on social media, so it doesn't really matter, but there will come a time when, you know, my kids do have social media accounts in another few years and be like, well, that, that'll be interesting. Um, when are your kids going to get social media accounts? Well, I, they actually have each had their own social media, like Instagram account since yeah. the day they were born. Wow. Um, I mean, I have our baby, before he was born, he had something, I think, 150,000 people following him. <laughs> when his profile pic was just his, like, pre-screening photo. And, um, you know, they're all, like, verified on Instagram. I think they have, like, 300,000 followers and all that. But those accounts, I think they're totally unaware of their yeah. own accounts. I just keep those. We never do, like, brand deals or anything sponsored on those. Those are just their personal journals. It's almost like at least when I started them, it's like my gift to them. I want them to be able to look back and almost see a daily journal of how their upbringing was. And, um, you know, I don't know if I'll ever turn it over to them. If my girl becomes a teenager and starts posing and doing all these selfies and breaks my heart. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'll ever turn it over. But so we'll see. Uh, up until now, they have no idea. You'll never see us in a video like asking for subscribers or likes or anything like that because we don't want our kids to be aware of that yet. That is uh, that's so healthy. It's also so unusual. So you you, you uh, grew up in a, a Mormon household. Uh, mm -hmm. Is that where you got sort of, sort of the the I, I don't know what to call it like like level headedness around this sort of stuff uh, because it's pretty unusual. Like I, I don't hear a lot of parents uh, out there who are are sort of that. I don't know if I'll ever give my kids the social media that sort of thing. Um, where did you get? I that? don't know. I I. I... I would hesitate to say that it comes from a Mormon culture community because right now, like Mormons just rock the blogger and YouTuber world. Like Mormons for whatever totally reason yeah. are so good at it. But I would also Internet say the downside, <laughs> yeah, but I'd say the downside is Mormons are very competitive and just hustlers. And because of that, if you watch most any other typical YouTuber or blogger, they'll just be all about the likes and the followers and the subscribers. And so, um, yeah, yeah, so I, I'm not sure if I have an answer to that even. Uh, well, so so if it didn't come from you know your community, I mean parental thing, uh, you have a, a mixed background. I do right? have a mixed. I I would say this. Um, 
uh, I have wonderful parents, an amazing father, an amazing mother, a lot of, or, you know, most any goodness in me definitely came from them. Um, but also the hard side of things too, where I come from a broken household where my parents got a divorce. And I mm-hmm. think a lot of just the hard times kind of instilled a fear forever inside me of, I, I want to be the best parent possible. I want to have the strongest marriage possible. And, um, I just seen a lot of things can go wrong. So be grateful for what you have. And, and as it goes back to how the money was, you know, money can change people for the worse. It can also do good. So be humble with it and hope for the best. How are you going to teach your kids lessons about money? It's a good question. Um, they, as far as I can understand, they don't know that we're rich. <laughs> um, I, the travels definitely helped with that where that we had a rule. They have a small Fall Raven backpack and their rule with toys is they can only have as many toys as would fit in the small backpack. And they had to carry their own backpack during our travels. So if they were ever complaining about their backpack, it would be like, oh, the easy solution, just throw away some of your toys and your backpack will get lighter. <laughs> and they either threw away some of their toys or they toughened up and they carried their own backpack. But either way, every time we would pack, which was literally once a week, because we'd switch countries week after week, um, they would have to reevaluate like what toys they had, what they wanted to keep and what they wanted to get rid of. If they wanted something new, that meant getting rid of something old. And uh, I think that that kind of instilled in them at a young age, the, the meaning of money and objects, you know, having things over experiences in a pretty good way. Uh, that's a, a fascinating approach. I think I might have to take that on with my kids. It's <laughs> right. Uh, my, my son insisted on bringing a very large stuffed animal that took up half his suitcase. I'm like, seriously, you just leave that one home. But he, he was very glad to bring it. So That's awesome. Uh, all right. Th- this is helpful. And, and the reason I'm asking these questions is everyone listening to this, uh, I'll just tell you, if you're fortunate enough to have a device that lets you listen to a podcast, you're already exceptionally wealthy compared to right. large numbers of people on the planet. Right. For real. <laughs> and and so how you teach your kids, even if you know you see yourself as middle class or you're just, just starting out, um, a lot of people don't know this. I worked in auto parts warehouse for five years, putting parts in boxes, you know, paid my way through college, scooped ice cream at Baskin Robbins. No way. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've definitely worked, uh, worked for a living for much of my life. And um, you can easily get caught in a mindset that says I don't have enough mm-hmm. um, in uh in Game Changers, um, in my new book, one of the laws there is about money because I, I'm asking people what matters most, and almost no one said money mattered most. But one thing that a few people did say was about how having money didn't make them happier. And so I actually dug in on the scientific research about how much money it takes to increase happiness. Interesting. And I gave a talk at the Bulletproof Conference on it, even. And it uh-huh. turns out the numbers it was from a couple years ago, it was about $74,000 uh, American. It's probably adjusted a little bit more if you're in California or something. Above that, another thousand dollars doesn't make you any happier. Um, you know, it's, it's convenient, it's nice, um, and I, I learned this the hard way too because when I was about the same age you were when you made money, I made six million dollars. I was 26 years old. A company that held Google's first servers, the Facebook's first servers, uh, they were just Facebook. <laughs> and uh, I, I just remember I was no happier with the money. I was kind of like elated. Uh, and then I told a friend, I'll be happy when I have 10 million. And you're like, if you can't be happy with six, I'm pretty sure 10 yeah. will change it, but I just had a story in my head. Uh-huh. And it doesn't sound like you ever bit on that, even a little bit, which is so different. I mean, did you get, did you get happier 
when when you got your fifty four million? I, I will say in the early days of my company, where uh, I, I just remember people would always say like, "Oh man, the day, I was so much happier when I was poor." And I'm like, "Well, you're just bad at having money then, because I was <laughs> poor and poor sucks." I remember being pulled over and I had to pay a three hundred dollar ticket and I had three hundred and thirty dollars in my bank account. And it just broke my heart. I'm just there crying in my car because there it goes. You know, that's yeah. everything. And those days for sure were not more happy than, than when I had money. But it's like I could almost relate to that $70,000 mark where when we started making money from my own app and getting past that mark, it wasn't necessarily that I was happier, but there were a lot of stresses in my life that started yeah. to ease up. And man, that's something that I wish the whole world could experience. You know, when you, when you see the burdens of finances on somebody... Uh, yeah, anyone who's ever experienced that and remembers that pain, you just wish you could take that away from every single person. Um, but yeah, but then it got to a level where it's just when you're getting like those those crazy numbers up into the millions and onward, um, then it just becomes almost more of a game and less about like actual money. You know, it's just, it's just numbers at that point, right? And it's a very weird thing for your human brain to go through. It, it is. And I, I really uh, I resonate with that thing about you know, what could we do to make it so people don't have to go through those stresses. Um, I remember getting tickets when I had similar amounts of money in the bank. And you're like, this is, you know, 50% of what of my entire liquid everything. Yeah. Uh, so tickets are particularly regressive. And what they don't tell you, but is borne out in the data, the crappier your car, the more likely you are to get pulled over and get a ticket. Interesting. Right? So if, if you're driving a, you know, Mercedes or some luxury, even a new Prius, right? If you do something stupid, you're going to get pulled over. Uh -huh. But if you're doing something only a little bit stupid, you won't get pulled over. But the beater car next to you will get pulled over almost every single time. And and even worse if your skin is brown, right? And uh, so th that's a problem because if the poorer you are, the more you get hit with stuff like that. It, it's it, it's really a stressor. So I'm, one of the things I'm thinking about now is, you know, how do we remove the dumb little stressors? Uh, mm -hmm. That really costs you a lot when you don't have a, a lot uh, in a way that's you know that's more fair uh, because it, no one wins in a situation where everyone's more stressed and you know, exactly there's, there's right food quality stress there's just you know financial safety stress um, what have you done from a charitable perspective to reduce stress or even if it's not charity like like what what have you done to help solve that problem that's been a constant learning experience for us since the beginning and I will props to my wife charity and service and just being so compassionate to others, that's something that comes very natural to her, just a very good soul. For me, I'll admit that it does not come natural. And that's why it's been so good for me, um, not only to be with her, but also during these bucket list family travels, we made three priorities. One was to seek out adventure in every country we visit, seek out culture in each country, and then seek out a service opportunity. And so because we were visiting a different country almost every week, that meant we were on the lookout for a special service opportunity every single week. And it was really good for me and just taught me the beauty and the power of service because, I mean, sometimes they were well organized. We would put together like a fundraiser for an orphanage. We built a school in India. We, we had raised $50,000 in Nepal for education and against uh, human trafficking. And sometimes they were bigger things like that. But a lot of it, it was like a quick country, a quick visit to Antigua or Bahamas or something smaller. And then it was, let's seek out someone who just stands out to us. Um, I remember one was a waitress at a restaurant. And you could just see it in her face that she needed a little bit of a lift in her life. And so, you know, we put some money in an envelope, gave it to our little girl. 
had her walk it over to her and then, and then bounced, you know, she probably doesn't know who we are, has no idea where we came from, but we could just see it in her face that she needed that. And so we've had a pretty good spread of some big events and then some small, smaller acts of service. Um, but it, it's, you know, hopefully done some good in the world. It's definitely changed us as a family. Uh, beautiful. It reminds me of, of Oprah, uh, who I've, I've had the honor of meeting one time briefly. Amazing. Uh, she, she's one of her quotes is she says, you know, I, I never get tired of leaving money for people. So she's known for like hiding $20 <laughs> bills everywhere she goes and stuff like that. And, and it, it does spread joy. And she knows at her level, it doesn't, it, it's invisible. It doesn't cost her anything other than the the inconvenience of probably having an assistant go to the ATM for her to get 20. It's like, like it's, you know, right. she's not going to notice. Um, and so my, my, uh, each year, my wife will do something really cool for Christmas where yeah. she puts together just some really bomb Christmas surprise that we share with others. And the first year, my wife asked herself the question, like, what am I most grateful for this year? And how can I share it with others? And my wife that year had had uh, received LASIK eye surgery. And went oh, wow. from a lifetime of wearing glasses and contacts, and all of a sudden she can see perfectly without anything after like a three-minute procedure. And so we surprised five people with LASIK eye surgery, five people that wouldn't be able to afford it otherwise, and they received that. Uh, and we've done that something of that sort each year. And this year, I think my wife's just outdone herself. She's doing something really cool that she put together all by herself. We're doing the 12 days of bucket list Christmas where we've taken our top 12 experiences around the world and we're going to surprise families in need with these experiences. And so a family is going to have the opportunity to stay in a castle in Ireland, to stay in an over the water bungalow in the Maldives, go shark diving in Fiji. We have these 12 experiences all around the world. They're just incredible. Even when she was showing me them, like I got jealous all over again. <laughs> I want those experiences, but how cool that we're going to be able to gift those to 12 uh, surprise families this year. Are you choosing those from families you've met or are these coming from the followers on the bucket list family? So we, we don't do it as like a typical giveaway on social media where it's like comment on this post and you might win. We do a little different on our social media at the bucket list family where we invite our followers to nominate someone else who they think is deserving. So in a way, we're kind of like giving the gift of giving and uh, our followers have a lot of fun with it because they'll have a neighbor or a sibling or a cousin, someone who, you know, has been through some rough times or just might be a very good person who uh, uh, gives more than they receive and deserves something special. And yeah, so we'll read through thousands of nominations and those that stand out to us, we hand select them. So it's not a random selection. It's not a sweepstakes. It's just a, a gift that are explained. Very, that, that's beautiful. And it is life-changing when you think something like that would never happen. And all of a sudden you get a chance to do it. I, I appreciate the way you're doing that. After three years of traveling the world, 78 countries, uh, you, you said, uh, you decided to hang up your hat. Why did you decide to stop? It was a tough decision to stop. The more and more we traveled, we just got better at it. Um, the bucket list family as a business side of things just became more and more profitable. But uh, I mean, honestly, if it was just me, I would have said, let's keep traveling. My wife was about 50-50. She loved the traveling, but also loves the beauty that can come with having a consistent place to call home and a community and friends. Uh, it came down to our kids. Our kids are just very social and we're becoming about that school age. And we could just, just knowing our children, we knew uh, it was the best thing for them to find a place to call home. We'll continue to travel. We love to travel. Um, we have another few countries that we're, we're, uh, we're visiting before the year ends even, but now we have a place to call home here in Hawaii. Nice. 
Why did you pick Hawaii after 78 countries where you couldn't live? <laughs> I'll tell you, we, we were debating between Oregon, uh, New Zealand, and Hawaii. And at first, New Zealand seemed to be the front runner. And I applied for a visa. We got approved for a visa. And that's when my wife got pregnant. And it was a little, it was a little too much for her to be that far away from family with a new baby coming. So then we started to reconsider different options. And uh, we actually, then I think in second place, we were really considering Oregon. And we found this sweet little haven, just this beautiful lot of land. And we went to look at it and spend some time on it. And I had these insane allergy attacks. Oh, no. Whatever type of grass was growing there, I couldn't breathe for two minutes. And so I was like, well, you know what? Like, I don't think this is gonna be the best place for us. So then we took a, we went, met with a realtor, a realtor in Hawaii and they took us around this island and oh, we just found not only the perfect town and some good friends immediately, but we found this little sweet spot for our house. And uh, it was this really, really old broken down beach bungalow over a hundred years old, but it had so much cute character to it. Was it, it's a small bungalow, but it's right on the water. Nice. And yeah, it just looked like where we could set up our own little haven. Well, uh, I know you just moved there. Um, check, keep an eye out for toxic mold. You got a human environment. You got a hundred year old house. It's a, it's a bit of an issue in Hawaii. Uh, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna send you some stuff if you want it after the show from one Please of my do. companies. Homebiotic it makes a a bacterial spray that eats toxic mold, so it can't grow. Uh, we we sprayed some in our hotel room when we were in Hawaii last because there was actually some growing around the air conditioner in my daughter's bedroom, and it oh it, it digests the stuff. So if you're pulling walls out and stuff, spray some in there just to keep the levels down because that stuff affects everyone's everyone's brain. I love old houses. Oh, some of some of them yeah. I don't feel good. All right, yeah, I'll, okay. I'll help you out. Um, and just just make sure you 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 build clean because the last thing you want is uh, it's another one of the rules in game changers. Like if you if you push really hard, it sounds like you got your stuff under control, or you get just uh, environmental things that push your buttons and you can like tr trip yourself up into having autoimmune and allergies. And the more entrepreneurial, the more type A you are, like the more you like to do stuff, the more high risk you are of like flipping the switch. Oh, uh, and once sense. you flip the switch, then you get more of those allergies like you had to the grass in, uh, in Portland yeah. or not in Portland, in Oregon. Uh -huh. And, um, and so, all right, I'm, I'm going to send that to you, uh, because <laughs> Appreciate it's, it. it's all 29 bucks, not, not an expensive gift, but it's one of those things where just the right, the right stuff at the right time could matter. And right. if you're remodeling with kids in the house, you got to know about that. Exactly. Okay. Um, all right. So you're, you're moving in, your kids are going to be in, in, uh, uh, in a regular school and all that stuff. And you're going to, are you going to hang up the bucket list family hat? You're going to call us like the, the school is family. What, what's going to happen with all, all your travel blog? Um, I mean, just, just like our lives, we're just going to try to find a balance between traveling and being at home. And that'll be a challenge with social media where a lot of our followers know us as just full-time traveling family. Every single week, you're going to see us in a new city, in a new country. And now they're, uh, they're going to experience something different along with us. And it'll be interesting to see how many people stick along with us. I think um, one thing we've done really well is it wasn't always necessarily about the travels. A lot of our followers understood that the bucket list family might come across as something about travel initially. That might be the cover of the book. But once you dive into the contents of what we're really about, it's about family. It's about growing together. It's about parenthood, the children, being brave, stepping outside your comfort zone. And a lot of those things that continue onward, even if you are just living life at home and adventuring in your own backyard. So We'll see. Uh, but yeah, the plan is we'll continue doing The Bucket List Family, a new video every week on our YouTube channel. 
and a new post almost every day on our Instagram account. And we'll see how it evolves from here. Beautiful. Garrett, if someone came to you uh, tomorrow and said, I want to perform better at everything I do as a human being, and just based on everything you know, including having sold your company for like $54 million before you're 30, <laughs> traveled the world to 78 countries, had a successful marriage and built a social media, like you've done all sorts of crazy stuff, especially, you know, you're relatively young for this long list of accomplishments. So three most important pieces of advice based on all that cool stuff you've done, what would they be? Oh man, you want three. Um, the first one that pops to my mind is good friends. Um, <laughs> one second. <clears throat> yeah, that one gets me in the heart. Um, good friends. And I think for me, the secret sauce to that isn't like friends with connections, friends that can hook you up, friends with a lot of money or smart friends. But if you have good friends that support you, have your back through thick and thin and truly love you, that just gives you um, a confidence and a motivation to do the right thing, to be a good person and to make the most of, of your life and your opportunities. And that's what uh, my friends have always been to me. The second thing I would say is uh, optimism, just a ridiculous amount of optimism, that like dumb level of yes man optimism, no matter what it is. Um, I, I think people who know me well consider me uh, naive in a lot of ways. Uh, but if you were to ask me, it's just a ridiculous level of optimism that things are going to work out and that I can do anything if I want to. And um, that's, man, if I could gift something to ev anyone or everyone, I think it would be that level of optimism that I have inside me and sharing it with others. Because when I look at others and I, you know, whether it's people who have worked with me in the past or worked for me in the past, man, they are smarter than me and they are more talented than me. But one thing I might have up on them is just a little more optimism and confidence uh, that they seem to be lacking for no apparent reason, because they have everything, you know, um, and I wish I could give that to them. Uh, beautiful. So we've got good friends. We've got optimism. Number three. And number three, right, to help someone achieve their goals. Or, or more just to help someone perform better everything they do, right? Because everything you do, like like there's service, there's community, there's you know feeling good, there's family, there's work. Like like we we all we're all being humans all the time, but it's not just you know it's not just goal achieving, but it's just like being better at everything. All right, I think. Who knows if this is if this is a good one, but this is what's coming to my mind, and that is having the right intentions. Uh -huh. Because I think if you have the right intentions, then it's just a win-win situation, you know, where people all day could say like, well, should you have sold your company or should you have not have sold your company? Should you be spending the money you made or not? Like, um, is the Bucketless family a good thing? Should you be putting your kids on social media? Like, there's so many ways that you can doubt yourself and... Uh, even the word success or doing better, you know, that's such like a relative thing. There's no like true definition. It's just your perspective. And I think that winds back to if you have pure intentions, there's no arguing with that. Nobody can ever say like, you did the wrong thing by doing this. And it's like, look, I had the right intentions. I might've messed up. I might've done the wrong thing. But if you have good intentions then it's a win-win situation and it's just life, you're going to mess up. You're going to mistake. You're going to, you know, you're going to fall short, but, uh, having the right intentions will just give you that pure confidence that, you know, it's going to work out. 
Beautiful. I love uh, love that advice. Uh, that the win win perspective on that is uh, it. It's easy to say and it's hard to live, but it, from what I can see, it looks like you're actually living it, which is uh, which is admirable <laughs> and unusual. So th- thanks for doing that. Thanks for sharing your story on uh, Bulletproof Radio. Your blog is is it the Bucket List Family or BucketListFamily.com? Uh huh. Yeah, our website is thebucketlistfamily.com, and our Instagram is at thebucketlistfamily. All right, the Bucket List Family, uh, totally worth following because you're just kind of going out there doing interesting stuff. And I, I really think that for people listening to the show today, just hearing the way you think about why you do the things you do is is inspirational, uh, instructional, and uh, it, it's just an example of what can happen when you you don't let success go to your head. Uh, so uh, very well played, my friend. Uh, very well played. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I'm grateful for you having me on. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful that I survived. Speaking of people who are smarter and more talented than me, I was scared to come on here. And uh, I'm grateful I, uh, <laughs> that I'm still well, going. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for not sending your brother instead. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'll let him know. <laughs> All right. Have a beautiful day. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much. If you like today's episode, you know what to do. Head on over to thebucketlistfamily.com and subscribe. Thanks for listening. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.